Plantation SDA Church presents The Bible Unmasked. Read your Bible daily and join us every Sunday at 7.30pm for our weekly discussion. From Genesis all the way through to Revelation, let's read the entire Bible in 2021 with The Bible Unmasked. Hello and welcome. I am your host today, Elizabeth Thomas, and you are watching The Bible Unmasked, episode 43. We are so glad you joined us again today, and I also want to welcome our, my our beloved Pastor Dexter Thomas, who is also Thank with you. us here today. Thank you for joining us. We are into the Gospels. How exciting is that? As you know, we have been going through the Bible here in 2021, reading it in a whole year, and each week we have a host and a pastor who is there to answer your questions. And as you are reading, we want you to text us your questions. Um, please text them to 954 388 8780. We want to hear from you and you can continue watching us on the YouTube channel of PlantationSDA.tv. So let's begin with a word of prayer and I'll have you pray for us, please. God and friend, thank you for the richness of your word. Thank you for inspiring these various pastors and presenters. And thank you for wrapping us with your love. Bless our journey in Mark and the beginning of Luke. In the name of our friend Jesus, amen. Amen. So last week we had um, Principal Stevenson and Pastor Jen were sharing with us from Matthew 23 to Mark 9. Could you give us a quick little overview of what? So, was? yeah, yeah, they, they, they took us through um, the, first, the first passion narrative. Um, Jesus going to the cross and the end of time prophecies also and then the beginning of the book of Mark and the book of Mark is the shortest book is a book of action Mark don't waste words and Mark most likely is known as the first gospel they they would call Mark the M source um, and a lot of the other gospels would have gotten their research and their, their perspective from reading the Gospel of Mark. Okay, good. Uh, as you said, the passion, it just uh, made me put an image in my mind of you know how tumultuous that time must have been, especially for the people around Christ, and yet in a spiritual world too. And here, you know, Christ, he did that, you know, that big thing that brought a finale to it all. Um, you know, here we are, it's storming outside while we're recording this, and it's storming outside in the world too, and in many ways of things happening, and here we can come to the Bible, and we can find our answers, and we're so glad that we have God's Word right for in front of us. So get into the Word, read it, and find out what God has to say to us. So Amen. This week, we are now continuing in the book of, of Mark, um, going to Mark from Mark 10 to Luke 6. And um, give us a quick overview of that too, please, if, before we get into right. our questions. And if I could give an overview of the Gospels, you know, Matthew, he wrote specific, because all the Gospels, you're wondering, why are there four different Gospels? They're talking about the same Jesus, mm -hmm. the same miracles, more or less, his same passion, his same love, um, you know, him dying so that we could live. 
Why four? Well, because each of them were writing to a different audience and were writing with a different purpose in mind. So they used the various stories and events in a different manner. So Matthew, he was writing specifically to the Jews and his purpose was to show them that Jesus is king. Mark, on the other hand, he wanted to show the, the fullness of the humanity of Jesus. So only in the book of Mark, you hear Jesus talking about him, him talking about himself as being tired and needing to rest a while, come apart. Let's rest a while. Luke, the only Gentile author in all 40 authors of the entire Bible, his um, perspective was Jesus as savior. So in the book of Luke, you would find stories you would not find in any other gospel. The Good Samaritan, the prodigal son, um, the thief saying, Lord, remember me when you're coming to your kingdom. Only in Luke, because Luke's focus was how Jesus saves the Gentiles. The pinnacle of his book would be 1911. The Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. John then, his focus was opposite to Mark, where... He prim his primary purpose was presenting Jesus as 100% God. This is God in flesh. That's why his summary is John 20, verse 30 and 31. Many other signs did Jesus do in the presence of his disciples. But these that, that's, that's written, I have written so that you can know Jesus is Christ and that believing you would have life in his name. So what John was saying is that these miracles, I didn't just randomly choose them. I chose them specifically to paint and portray a picture of Christ as 100% God wrapped up in humanity. Okay, okay, so today, 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 okay. today. And by the way, guys, thank you all for continuing to journey with us. We have two months left. Wow. Two months left, nine more presentations. So please, it's still not too late to jump, hop, get into the word. All right, so today we want to journey through the rest of Mark and we're going to start with the, the divorce question. Um, we're even going to tackle the ending of Mark and the controversies around that. Um, and then we, we dive into my favorite book, um, the, the, the Gospel of the Lost, the Last, and the Least. That's the book of Luke for you. And um, we're going to touch on the, the birth narrative of Jesus and what that meant. Okay, let's get into it. So I hope you have your Bibles with you because we are going to be reading some of it as we go through with our questions. So let's go to our first question and turn to Mark chapter 10. And I'm going to be reading verse two and three. The Pharisees came and asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Testing him. And he answered and said to them, what did Moses command you? Him. You can read further about that, but uh, here's the question. What is the justification for divorce and remarriage in these verses? Oh boy. And you know, we would have touched on this. Um, uh, another presenter would have touched on this in Matthew chapter nine. Um, this, this is a real tough one. Not tough because we don't understand what the Bible is saying, but tough because how do you apply biblical standards um, to human mess. Most of the struggles Christianity has has to do with sexuality. Mm -hmm. 
whether it's divorce, remarriage, um, homosexuality, most of the struggles we have has to do with sexuality. Um, and let me just say this. There are three premises usually for... Um, well, no, no. So back up. Sorry, because you're asking about divorce at first. So Jesus was clear. You know, divorce is in the cards. Um, in fact, they, they most, this is, but it's never been God's intention. Never. Right. That's why he said in, in is that verse, verse six? Is that verse six? From the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Right. And and Moses, yes, 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 the clincher. Moses wrote a bill of divorce for what? Hardness of heart. Mm. And usually that's where divorce comes from. That's why I like the studies done by John Gotham um, that talks about the four apocalypse, um, four horsemen of the apocalypse. And one of the things he said. He's able to look at, he studied thousands of couples and in the first 90 seconds, I, you heard me correctly, a minute and a half, he could tell the state of their marriage and if they're going to make it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he looked at is if they were, um, like if they started rolling their eyes at each other and so on when they were talking, mm-hmm. he can tell they had checked out. There was, you know, worse than hate is um, I don't care. There's a word for it that's just not coming to my mind. And I have prayed for my own marriage that I don't get to the place where I don't care, where my heart becomes hardened, you know? And that happens when you stop communicating, when there is not, no forgiveness, the cycle of forgiveness and repentance in your marriage. Um, so for the first premise is it was never God's ideal, never. And it still isn't, you know? In fact, Malachi says he hates divorce. Mm-hmm. The, the, the second thing, the second thing is, it usually happens because somebody hardens their heart. Usually people would jump to say, well, he says you could divorce for adultery. Um, yeah, but the context of that is hardness of heart, you know, and, and you can't slip up and commit adultery. That, that doesn't happen. But, but I guess the, the essence is this is talking about someone that doesn't care anymore. They're like, I'm going to keep cheating. I don't care. This is not divorcing someone that, that, that is truly and genuinely repentant. Um, and that's where the remarriage story it becomes a, a big debacle uh, and, and a theological hang, hand-wringing. Because in, in reality, remarriage is only supposed to be if your spouse got remarried, if your spouse abandoned you, or if they're dead. That's, that's really it, um, you know, or, or have perpetually, I'm adding that word perpetually, committed adultery and their hearts are sealed off against you. They don't care. That's usually the premise. But I mean, I mean, people straight up tell me, um, Sister Thomas, mm-hmm. they're like, look, if I can't get remarried and these are people who, you know, would have been unfaithful or would have gen- just left because they fell out of love, mm-hmm. according to them. They're like, look. Dex, if I can't get remarried, I'm going to sin. Mm-hmm. I'm going to straight up sin. I, 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 and, um, you know, I'm like, well, look, that's, that's just what the Bible says. Um, you do you. And this is why you really want to, right, I'm done. <laughs> I'm rambling. I'm done. But it's one of my deep passions. And that's one of my deep passions. That's why, like me, and I'm straying right now, y'all, but let me stray. <laughs> like me, I, I had couples um, who would come to me, you know, the guys and atheists, the ladies in the church, and she like, could you marry us? I'm like, never, never. You know, I, I generally don't fool around when it comes to people marriages. 
Okay, let's keep going now to question number two. And if you um, go into your Bibles to Mark, uh, again, chapter, we're still in chapter 10 and verse 13. Then they brought young children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. Here you see that Jesus, as you read further, Jesus blesses the little children. And what was, so the question is, what was significant about Jesus standing up for the little children? Yeah, I think, um, and this, this is in all the synoptic gospels, and synoptic means similar or same, um, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is, John is on his own street. <laughs> but um, the significance of it is Jesus uses the children or, um, you know, blesses the children to illustrate to the disciples, this is what kingdom living is like, the simplistic faith of a child. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it, it also, if, if we could lean further into the context, it's also rebuking them for rebuking the children. Mm -hmm. It's teaching them that children are important to Jesus and they have a place in his presence, mm -hmm. you know, and don't ever get so important that children doesn't have a seat at the table. Mm. Okay. I know it's one of the stories that I love reading to children and it kind of warms my heart just to let them know, you know, hey, gee, this is really showing us that Jesus loves you. Amen. <laughs> Okay. He bullied the bullies. <laughs> okay, let's go now again, still in chapter 10 to verse 25. And it says, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So the question is, explain the camel in the eye of a needle. Is just is Jesus picking on the rich? Wow. So, the, yeah, I, I, I used to read this and be like, Wow. The eye of a needle. You look at those little pins. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, what is that? The whole tiny. Yeah, how a camel could go through that. But no, it wasn't that. The eye of a needle was, you know, um, a lot of homes, you have a, your big gate that you open for your car. Mm -hmm. And then you have the little gates that um, you, you're walking, like for just passenger. It's just like our pedestrians. gate. Pedestrians. Yeah, pedestrians. Oh, for gated just, communities. Just like, yeah, the gated communities, you have the big oh, gate. Okay. The eye of the needle was the little gate for pedestrians. Mm. And you know, a camel, you know, a camel is a big, big creature. I mean, it's over six foot mm -hmm. tall. Um, and for a camel to get through one of those small gates, he'll have to stoop down. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it would be nigh impossible. Mm -hmm. And, and the, 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 so Jesus wasn't, so that's the context, but Jesus wasn't, um, coming down on the wealthy you know a lot of people read these things and they're like well wealth is bad but you know what though when you read it like that don't feel too bad because the disciples in matthew when matthew's rendition of this the disciples kind of took it like that because they understood wealth to mean that the fact that you were rich it meant that your passport for heaven was stamped mm -hmm. so for jesus to say no 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 wealthy people would really have it hard entering the kingdom and they're like what i well who then can be saved that's what they ask in matthew right you know and 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 um the gist of it was basically was basically jesus was saying wealth could could clog your heart mm -hmm. 
and wealth could get you preoccupied with more things than kingdom business where it easily becomes an idol because wealth brings admiration. Wealth brings friends. Wealth brings X and Y, X and Y, X and Y, mm-hmm. right? But because this is addressed to Christians, right. we know God expects that there will be wealthy Christians. Mm-hmm. You know, my favorite quote is, if you want to help the poor, don't be one, uh-huh. right? But wealth comes with its difficulties. I think the ideal is First Timothy chapter 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. Um, and the love of money, is the root of all evil, not money. Because if money was the root of all evil, then all banks would be haunted houses, you know? So it's the love of money. Right. Okay. Okay, let's keep going then now to chapter 11, verse 15 to 19. So they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and oh the boy. seats and of those who sold doves. And he, and he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Really? Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it into a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought out how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his teaching. And when evening had come, he went out of the city. Okay, so the question here, this is Jesus cleansing the temple. So does Jesus bring violence on himself by initiating it? Yeah, wow, what a question. Um, it's interesting because Jesus himself said, yeah, if you live by the sword, you're going you're gonna to perish by the sword. Did Jesus say that? <laughs> I hope. I think he did it in um, Matthew 26 when Peter whipped out the sword to cut off the guy's ear. Um, that's a good question. I really don't know. Um, was it really violence or was this a, a man sick of immorality and just wanted to shake up the status quo? Because one of the gospels says that he made a whip. It didn't say that people were actually whipped but it's a good question right okay um let's keep going here now to chapter 12 verse 35 and 37 uh 35 then jesus answered and said while he taught in the temple how is it that the scribes say that the christ is the son of david For David himself said by the Holy Spirit, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Oh, sorry. And verse 37, therefore David himself calls him Lord. How is he then his son? And the common people heard him gladly. David calls him Lord. How can David call his descendant his Lord? Hmm. But because Revelation 22 summarizes this really well. He is the root and the offspring of Jesse. Mm. Um, David could call him Lord because David understood that through his seed, Messiah would come. David could call him Lord because he knew he came from Messiah, like all his descendants. So I I think David must, through the Holy Spirit, must have had a glimpse 
of the mystery of godliness that God one day would send his only begotten son, born of a woman, to save humanity. Somehow he would have understood that mystery. Okay. Um, let's go now to verse 14, chapter 14, sorry, and verse 51. Now a certain young man followed him, having a linen cloth thrown around his naked body. And the young man laid hold of him, and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. Oh, boy. Yeah, so, so this is in the... Um, in the Garden of Gethsemane, I guess, where Jesus is being arrested there. And um, so here we see the young man fleeing. Who is this young man? Yeah. And, and, and why is, yeah, why would this be included in the story? In the story. And this is only the book of Mark. <laughs> oh, okay. In no other gospel. Okay. Uh, so the, the, the scholarly consensus is that this was Mark himself. Oh. Yeah, this was John Mark himself. And, <laughs> so he has to include himself in yeah, the story, of and, course. But he is used to fleeing. Oh, okay. He's used to, when the going gets tough, John Mark got going. You remember in Acts 13 with Paul and Barnabas? Mm -hmm. You know, he left them. Right. And then, and then he tried coming back and Paul is like, I'm not going to have it. Mm. I'm not going to have it. He's the flip-flop and I'm not going to have it. But Paul was dead wrong. Mm -hmm. And Paul acknowledged his wrongness in his final letter in 2 Timothy chapter 4, when he said, look, man, you know, I'm at my last, but bring John Mark because he is a, a, a invaluable for the ministry. And, and I, I read that with, 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 with joy in my heart because it tells you people could turn around. People who are flip-flops and who give up easily, they could turn around. And this is John Mark's story. Um, so I think, and naked, by the way, is not, but naked. Okay. Naked simply means he didn't, he wasn't fully dressed up. Naked is like me taking off my jacket right. and I'm down just in my shirt and tie. That, that's kind of what it generally meant. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny having this little significant, or it seems like an insignificant yeah. little. Yeah, yeah, just thrown in. Thrown in the middle of this big drama. Yeah. Okay, <clears throat> so um, I guess what it also does is just kind of. Um, shows you amongst all this drama the the humanness or just very the, much so or just the everyday stuff that's very in the much so in the midst of it and and everyday people and yeah and, and that's why Mark is like one of the more um, down to earth humanizing gospels right yeah real struggles real failures you know even Jesus getting hungry and tired right that's Mark. It does help to paint pictures in your mind, too. Okay, let's keep going here. Um, let's go to, where, where are we now? We are in verse, um, the next question. Oh, so here we're going, just in general, is the end of Mark not in the earliest manuscripts? And what's the significance of that? I think you might have yeah. touched on that already a little bit. Yeah, excellent question. No, actually, I, I didn't touch it. Oh, but sorry. But yeah, the, from, from verse... 10, I believe, and onwards, mm -hmm. um, all those things that he's believed and is saved and they shall lift up scorpions and snakes and so on, that's not in the original manuscripts. Mm -hmm. um, so it's generally seen as an addition to the book of Mark. It's kind of similar to um, 1 John 5, 
um, the water, the blood, and the, and, and, the, and the word, or something like that. Um, that's also an addition. You don't find them in the original manuscripts. And let, let me just say this, a couple of things. W- when it comes to the accuracy of scripture, you know, one of the Dead Sea Scrolls that was found in 1956 was actually the book of Isaiah. And it was almost word for word what we have in our King James Bible. Um, real thorough translation. And, and what it was, they had the, the scribes and they, their entire life was dedicated to um, transcribing scripture. And they were real meticulous. They went to school for it. They were extremely meticulous. They did it from morning to, 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 to evening. And they, they, didn't, they didn't just add things randomly. Mm-hmm. You know, they really copied exactly because that was, that was their way of printing. Um, some people believe that this was added to validate um, what happened at Jesus' ascension um, and what happened to the disciples. Um, but it, in my mind, it doesn't undermine or take away anything from what I gather in terms of the life and teaching of Christ from the Gospels. But I, I think it was a good question to raise because I remember I was um, interviewing a couple of candidates in another denomination. I was helping them to prepare for ordination. And one of the questions I asked to stump them, I said, is the Bible perfect? And a couple of them were tripping over themselves, don't know how to answer. One guy gave the best answer. He said, the essence of the Bible is perfect. I'm like, you go, boy. I like that. Okay, let's. That's now the end of Mark, and we're going into the new gospel here of Luke. Um, and so Luke, we know, is a physician, um, and he, he is he very detailed in his, like he's quite detailed in his yeah, descriptions, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, because Luke, um, Luke is writing specifically to address some questions. Um, a high official has. Right. It's real specific. Okay. So the beginning of Luke, um, Luke 1, the first four verses, it's a dedication to Theophilus. And I don't know if I pronounced his name right. I hope I did. Yeah. Um, Who is Theophilus? (laughs) Yeah. So Theophilus could have just been a a high-ranking Roman official. And Theophilus, uh, if if I'm not wrong... The, the word mean, um, you know, someone of, of wisdom, mm. you know, wisdom from God, Theo, which is God. Right. Right. Um, which is where we get theology, study mm. of God. So um, um, one filled with wisdom from God. Um, so Luke was writing to him to set straight all the, um, all he had been hearing about the life of Jesus. Um, and that was the purpose for Luke writing. Right. Okay, so here at the beginning of Luke, there's a, this is um, where we get a lot of our story about Christ's birth and, and leading up to it. And I always like in reading that. But here we come into the middle of chapter 3. Um, is it the middle? Eight, yes, in the middle of chapter 3, all of a sudden here in verse 23... There is this genealogy of, of Jesus Christ. Why was that there and not right away at the beginning in chapter 1? Ah, 
Excellent question. And I, I want to tell you all this question came from our moderator. Excellent question. How does it end? Read the, read the end of the genealogy for us, please. Um, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Right. If you read Matthew chapter 1, which is where the other genealogy is, um, Matthew, could you find Matthew 1? Could you swing to Matthew 1? Let's, let's look at it ourselves. And I want to show you all the difference because the genealogy was written to tell a story. They didn't just randomly use the genealogy. This is not ancestors.com. Um, but he, the genealogy was part of his narrative. So you're looking at how the genealogy ended in this one also yes. in Matthew? Um, so verse 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations from David until the captivity of, in Babylon are 14 generations and from the captivity in Babylon, Babylon until the Christ are 14 generations. Perfect. Matthew, remember, his issue was Jesus is king. He's successor to David. You see? So that's how he ends it. All the generations from David to Abraham. Da, 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 da. That's his focus. Luke's focus is Jesus is son of God. He's savior of the world. So, so he said, look, he's son of Adam, but he's also son of God. Sorry, I'm, I'm preaching a little bit here. And that, that's the answer. That's, that's why uh, as, as Luke told the, the birth of Jesus, you know, he told the, 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 the narrative with John right yeah. and he's coming down he's coming down and he's like look let me back up let me go let me even go before that okay. let me trace jesus real lineage and his real lineage is even ahead of adam right. son of god oh. oh okay nice good okay let's go to chapter 5 now and verse 20 so when he saw their faith he said to them man your sins are forgiven you and this is talking about when Jesus forgives and heals a paralytic. Par paralytic. Um, so does Jesus claim to forgive sins make him God? 100% yes. And all my friends that struggle with the Trinity, it's a 2,000 year old argument. But it's either, look, it's either Jesus is a liar or this is 100% God wrapped up in human linen. Um, in fact, most of the interactions we have in the Old Testament is Jesus, the one who gave Moses the Ten Commandments, the one who told Moses, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. That's all Jesus. How do I know that? That's what Stephen said in Acts chapter 7. The angel of the Lord was Jesus, the one who said to Moses, tell them that I am that I am who sent you. That's why in John chapter 8, when, when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. They tried stoning him because he was making himself Yahweh. He was making himself the God of the Old Testament. So it's 100% Jesus. And that validates his divinity. Right. Now, I could just imagine being one of those Pharisees or even the people in the crowd there and hearing that and then, you know, seeing his miracle, like, wouldn't that just like we start stirring your heart or, oh my. or pulling you? Like oh how, my. How these Pharisees, there must have been 
Pharisees that were converted and yeah, Nicodemus. And yes, Nicodemus. And they, I'm yeah. sure others, because how could they have their hearts so hardened? Yeah, and hearing and seeing all of that. And the, but the, but the, the joyous note throughout the gospel, especially in Mark. Mark loves saying this. Right. The the common people heard him gladly. Right. Um, yeah, that's what I like about this all is that you're reading it and you're getting this like a, a movie like you're picturing it <laughs> yeah. in your mind it, listen I was reading and that's this what, you know like <laughs> I thought of the picture of at the end of Mark where Jesus <laughs> you know the whole event happening here there's a naked man running and now, <laughs> and now <laughs> here I'm, I'm sorry I'm in another picture now where I'm here where you know here's Jesus and he's healing somebody and saying your sins are forgiven and it's just um, I don't know. It's quite the movie in my mind. Yeah. Well, no. As I, as I was reading this, I was reading the, these these chapters. I did think about the movie The Chosen. Yes. yes. Yeah. And I'm picturing. I'm like, okay, yeah. the the Bible is more true than the movie The Chosen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But that that took me down memory lane a little bit. And the, yeah. the I I like how the Bible is so alive and so practical with everyday with everyday help. Right. Yeah. Okay. So here we are. Look, wow, we we're going to Luke six. That's our last um, question. And here. before you do, I have yes. to pull in my plug. Innovative outreach. Remember, the year still has nine weeks to go. Oh, so wow. innovativeoutreach.com. You go. You grab my free, free um, daily devotional where. I journey through the entire book of the Bible using themes, right? My, my theme for the book of Mark is, is um, serving that changes us. Serving that changes. Read through the gospel of Mark with that in mind. How does serving others change us? And it's just going to bless your heart, right? When, when you get to Philemon's, in Philemon's, I talk about... Um, I talk about... Um, forgiveness and reconciliation so innovativeoutreach.com sign up for discovering hope in 66 places and just be blessed and share it with a couple of folks get people hooked on the word that's what we want in 2021 right okay ready for our last question here and that is in chapter 6 verse 1 now it happened on the second sabbath after the first that he went through the grain fields and his disciples plucked the heads of grain and ate them, rubbing them um, in their hands. And then just going further along, um, where our question comes more from is verse 5. And he said to them, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. What does it mean to Jesus to be Lord of the Sabbath? Yeah, whatever it meant, um, because whatever it meant, it violated and destroyed their legalistic, judgmental, ugly view of the Sabbath. Uh, a lot of times, you know, we do the Sabbath countdown where we can't wait for sun to set, um, which is so sad because it, it should tell us about the state of our heart in relation to how we celebrate the day that God laid aside for us to rest. Um, but, but a lot of times we, do, we, 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 we keep the Sabbath as if we're doing God a favor. You know, we're like, look, God. That's why come sunset on Saturday, we're like, look, God, I kept your stinking Sabbath. Let me go do my own thing now. I'm going to do me, you know? Um, and that's sad. Jesus' understanding of Lord of the Sabbath 
had to do with Sabbath being a day for miracle, Sabbath being a day um, um, for joy. And you look at how he celebrated the Sabbath. Most of the miracles Jesus did were not urgent miracles. They could have waited for Sunday. You know, but he was intentional on, on painting a pity of Sabbath. And that's what his lordship of Sabbath means. Mm -hmm. His lordship of Sabbath means is people who are under his lordship get to celebrate Sabbath like he did. Right. Okay. And with that, we want to... Each day, keep looking forward to that Sabbath, that special day with our Lord. And that is a wrap now of episode 43 of the Bible Unmasked. But we want to invite you to join us again next week for episode 44, which they will be sharing um, Luke 7 to verse, I mean, chapter, I mean, to chapter 24. What? What can you just give us a quick synopsis? Oh, more, of ama what's to more come? amazing narrative. Se chapter 7 you know, is the, the woman who, who washed Jesus' feet with the oil that her prostitution money may have bought. Mm -hmm. um, chapter 8, you're talking about the storm, right? Um, and, and chapter 10 is the Good Samaritan. And chapter 11 is, is, is Jesus saying, look, if, 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 if you who are evil know how to give good gifts, you don't understand how badly I want to just rest the Holy Spirit on you. And chapter 12 is, is where they deal with, where Jesus deals with when he's coming, when he's coming, right? He's going to leave us in charge. Will he find us faithful when he returns, right? And then you, you jump across to, to 13 where he's talking about the victory in the vineyard and 14 where he's dealing with being prepared even to become his disciples as you, if you're a king, you would prepare for war. If you're going to be your mason or construction guy, you're going to prepare to build a tower. And of course, you guys know 15 is the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And 16 deals with the unfaithful steward. And, and, and you know, and so I go, so I go. All right? So this is, this is some of the best narratives in all of the Bible. That's from my perspective. But you want to be gripped by the rest of the book of Luke. And our scholars would really... We just drop the knowledge on you next week and bring a lot of enlightenment and joy in God's words. Yes. So as you're reading through this week, pace yourself through those chapters 7 to 24. And um, you can text us your questions to 954-388-8780. And please invite your friends. You know, we're um, coming up to that season. Uh, well, there's still, I guess, two months here a bit of, you know, where we um, look at where we focus on Christ and his birth. And this is what an opportunity to share with others and um, get them into these gospels Amen. and sharing this. So let's close now with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you again for being with us through um, through this time as we've been studying your word. And I pray for each one who's viewing this and those that will view it, um, that they may be blessed and that you're, you would speak to their hearts as they're reading your word. May um, they continue to grow in knowledge of you and in their relationship with you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Plantation SDA Church presents The Bible Unmasked. Read your Bible daily and join us every Sunday at 7.30 p.m. for our weekly discussion. 
from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. Let's read the entire Bible in 2021 with the Bible Unmasked.